Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent Graham Bailey and Toby Cudworth, head of UK content for 90 Min. How are we doing, lads? We've had a midweek round of action in the Premier League. Toby, West Ham, unlucky at Liverpool? Yeah, should have got a point at least. Could have even won the game, although Liverpool did have their chances, but it was one of those usual West Ham performances where slow out of the blocks for the first 45 minutes presented a couple of chances, didn't take them, and then ultimately got nothing from the game. So, yeah, frustrating, but there are positive signs at least. A good week for Man United, for me as well. Well, a good midweek. Uh, United played Chelsea on Saturday evening at 5.30. We're recording in between that game and their win over Tottenham on Wednesday night. Graham Bailey's also with us. Uh, a good week for Middlesbrough, Graham. Uh, yeah, obviously the normal weekend, the Browns and Borough losing, but yeah, recovered in midweek for um, a nice win last night. You know, there's a lot of a lot of big teams down at the bottom of the championship at the moment with you know, um, West Brom. Huddersfield uh, trying to avoid doing what Barnsley did, if you remember a couple of years ago, playoffs and their relegation. So it's not unheard of. Uh, yeah, Michael Carrick should be confirmed today, we understand. So interesting to see where we've got. It should give us a lift, you know. I think the fans seem happy with him. Um, it's always a risk with a untried, un, untested manager in this level as well, because although he's following that same path as where Steve McLaren and Brian Robson, they took over in a blaze of glory in the summer with new signings. Michael Carrick's taken over was on the edge of relegation, so I feel for him a little bit in that way. Um, but yeah, let's see how we're going. And, and the January window isn't far away, is it? So he'll have a chance to bolster the squad. I imagine we might raid Old Trafford a bit, Scott, actually, come January. Probably you'd you'd imagine so, wouldn't you? Michael Carrick, actually one of the most successful Man United managers in recent history. I believe he had three games and won two, drawn one. I think is that he presided last season over the one-one draw at Chelsea. I believe that United had when Jadon Sancho ran from one end of the pitch to the other. Uh, win at Villarreal as well. So what a pedigree he's got for Borough. Well, and he's bringing in a few of the old names. We understand Mike Phelan and Rennie Mullen staying are probably part of the staff as well. Um, so yeah, well, the Middlesbrough Man United links continue, Scott, as we used to do quite a lot back in the day. It's a bit of a switcheroo. You've got Steve McLaren back at United, uh, Michael Carrick going to Borough, the Brian Robson link. Plenty of that. We just uh, spoke about it off air before we started recording. Uh, but today we'll be talking not too much about Man United, actually. Not too much about West Ham. Not too much about Borough. Mainly Chelsea and mainly Napoli. A little bit on Newcastle as well. But we're going to talk uh, Victor Osimhen, uh, Rafa Liao, some Chelsea midfielders and their options. Uh, Leandro Trossard, who's been uh, attracting interest from the likes of Chelsea and Newcastle. We'll talk Napoli, Kvaric Skelia, Kvaradona. Uh, whatever you want to call him nowadays uh, is on the radar of some massive clubs in Europe and some other Napoli players we'll talk about as well, as well as uh, Bruno Guimaraes and Newcastle's plans to time down to a new deal, even though he only just arrived by the seams, but one of the form players in the Premier League at the moment, you can subscribe to the show on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. We'll start at the top with, uh, Chelsea looking for a new striker in 2023. This is a story you can read on 90min.com. They are looking at probably one of Europe's cream of the crop at the moment uh, that hasn't made that big move yet. Obviously, last season we had the likes of Erlen Haaland and Darwin Nunes who were those players that were just ready to be picked off by a big club. That happened with uh, Liverpool and Man City picking up both of those players. Victor Osimhen 
maybe one of the next ones uh very much on chelsea's radar and they've also looked at jonathan david as well graham what uh what's the story here yeah, um, obviously Chelsea are planning for our next summer. We've already seen Cavadio and Kunku um, links to Declan Rice. So they look to be putting things in place for next summer rather than this January. And Graham Potter's obviously assessed the squad. It's our understanding that although he likes Aubameyang, he clearly doesn't see him as a long-term number nine. He likes number nine Potter. We've seen that wherever he's been, he likes that figurehead. And and it's not it's not a detriment to Aubameyang. We know he's not the future of Chelsea. You know, he's there for 18 months. We knew he was a stopgap. Um, so, yeah, they've been looking around Europe and it's our understanding that, yeah, a dossier has been put together um, around Europe. They've been doing this for a few months, Chelsea, and, and Osimhen's top of the pile, which, again, is no surprise if you're looking for a number nine. There's not a lot out there. You know, if you're looking for a world-class number nine who's available, there's not that too many out there. There's Osimhen, there's Jonathan David, there might be Harry Kane, but the chance of him going to Chelsea will be severely limited. Um, Alexander Mitrovic, again, with his full length, chance of him moving on to there would be extremely limited. So Osman, yeah, he's a superb performer, isn't he? He's shown that at Napoli. I think next summer would feel like the right time for him to move. Um, we'll see what he does at the World Cup. Um, I'm saying Nigeria are going to the World Cup, aren't they? I do, I'm saying that off the top of my head. I think they are going. I'm just confirming there are 32 teams in the World Cup. And awesome. I am. Um, I thought you could name all 32, aware. Scott. As you're going, Scott, I thought you'd be able to name all 32 straight away. <laughs> I can't quite do it yet. Because I know see. Egypt and I know Ghana are. did not qualify. Also, not going well. There we go. So be nice and fresh. There's some, I tell you what, some world class forwards are going to be really fresh. Osman, Salah, Haaland. to be a lot of very fresh, very good strikers come December. But yeah, it, from my understanding, is that they, they, Chelsea like him a lot. Um, the loan, obviously, there's going to be a lot of clubs in for him. But yeah, um, Chelsea like him, and they will make a play for him if he does move next summer. Chelsea will be in the mix for him. You'd think maybe Man United might be in the mix for a striker after shoehorn them in there because Cristiano Ronaldo walked out of Old Trafford after not coming on the pitch uh, in their win over Tottenham. Uh, 89 minutes. I read that. I read that. I thought, did he, when he walked out at half time? Like, he walked out until like 89 minutes. Is that really a massive crime? I mean, when your team has just put in the best performance of the season because they were brilliant last night, I don't think anybody can really doubt that they were really at it. And to then draw attention to yourself and say, hey, he didn't bring me on. I'm leaving. Just a bit needless, really. I think Ten Hag has uh, dealt with it in the right way as well. Uh, ignore well, Ten Hag it. Said, but what, it today. What, what, what I'd say about Scott is Ten Hag said, um, we'll touch on Ronaldo, um, he didn't bring him on in the derby. He didn't want to disrespect him. So why not bring him on when you're winning? When, when are you going to bring him on? When's the right time to bring Ronaldo Why on? does he need Never. to bring him on? Exactly. The team but, are winning. <laughs> but, but no, but if he's given an excuse if he doesn't want to bring him on for disrespecting him, why wouldn't you then bring him on in that Different game? scenario, isn't it? You know, yeah. they were brilliant last night. Yeah. They were winning 2-0, as Scott says. I must admit, I didn't... I, I, so I, did, I did watch United, a, a, the other United in Newcastle last night, um, and they didn't have to be brilliant. But yeah, that wasn't a good game. United had 28 shots against Spurs last night. In stark contrast, Everton didn't have a single shot on target in the game I watched. <laughs> one shot in the whole One shot in the whole game. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Yeah, uh, there might be a few clubs looking at a striker. Mm. I've seen uh, some links between United and Osimhen as well, but we'll see what United plan to do. Chelsea, though, are planning ahead. It seems like they're ready to spend big. We wrote about Chelsea's interest in Rafa Liao months ago now, uh, and it appears that, Toby, I don't know if you want to take this one, 
Milan are trying to fight off Chelsea's interest in him and have made a huge offer to Rafael Leao to keep him. Hmm. Uh, he's obviously played against Chelsea in the last few weeks, and I believe he said Reese James was his, mo- his most his toughest opponent that he's ever he played against, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, Rafael Leao, he's a very, very good player simply because he plays in two positions. He can play left forward and he can play through the middle. And if there's anything we've learned about Graham Potter over his time at Swansea, Brighton and even Chelsea is that he wants his players to be malleable and to be able to play in different formations um, and to interchange their positions. And that's where Liao would obviously tick a lot of boxes for him. If they're looking for an out-and-out goal scorer, Victor Osserman is probably the guy to go after. The only thing I would say is that, Graham, correct me if I'm wrong, I reckon Napoli are going to be wanting at least... 90, 100 million euros for him. It's going to be a big, big price tag. And it's whether or not Chelsea can afford to do that deal as well as pursuing Josco Gavardio or Christopher Nkunku, Declan Rice. All these players that they want to sign could mean that they're priced out of a move for Osserman and even Rafa Leal to an extent. If he didn't sign a new contract at Milan, it will still take quite a lot of money to get him out of there. And that's not necessarily something Chelsea can do, even though Todd Burley's pockets are incredibly deep. I'm not sure they'd do that all in one summer, would they? Yeah, I wouldn't rule it out because I think we're going to see a lot of ins and outs at Chelsea over the next uh, 12 months. Some big names will depart. Um, you know, we'll, we'll come on to... First, for the likes of Lukaku. Someone's got to take him. Yeah, no, but I mean, in terms of the, the Pulisic, Zayic's, your Jorginho, you can't take... Can I throw Havertz of... into that, Graham? What, yeah. what's, what's the deal with him? Because I'm seeing a lot of Chelsea fans losing patience with Kai Havertz. There is, but I think Potter, I think I think going forward, he will look to play that three behind the one, which he successfully did at Brighton. So if he does go down that route, I think there's room for Havertz in that system. You know, he can play the nine, he can play the 10, he can even play out wide. It, Havertz is a player who Potter, I think, will like. You know, as Toby said, he likes the players to be versatile. Um, so I think Havertz does fit into that system. I think, you know, I don't think he's been an absolute bust there. I think he's, he's asked to play that position. I think he's been okay. And so, no, I, yeah, you, you could throw him in. But, yeah, a lot of it now is to come, to come at Chelsea, really, is in Thiago Silva, etc. So, I think it's more the wages, though, because, obviously, all these deals, unless you're going to play a release clause, which I, they may do for the hour, I don't imagine they will, you can build the, these these deals can all be paid over five, ten years, etc. So, um, I I think they are doing it sensibly. They're looking to do things in advance. Again, I think as the finances, so why they're looking at, and Kunku Cavadiol early to try and get them put to bed, beat these clubs, and 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 more often than not, they look like bargains by the time it comes around and they get done. Sometimes it doesn't, you know. Look at the Pulisic deal. Now we understand he's on his wages are are huge. You know, approaching two hundred fifty thousand pound a week for Pulisic. At the time, might have been okay because he was one of the best young players in Europe when he arrived at Chelsea. And now, as we see with some of these deals, when they don't work out, they look extraordinary. Um, in their own right, so yeah, as you say, also getting some of these players out won't be easy, but yeah, um, I think they'll they'll allow Potter to build the squad as he wants. And and if there's some players at the wayside, and look, hey, he's even brought Kepper back in though. Now, now suddenly Kepper's huge wages are looking okay. Just on um, Kai Havertz, I think he's got a bit of an identity crisis. I'm not mm. sure he fully knows what he's what he's doing in that team. He's not a number nine and he's not an out and out goal threat, even though he's got the technical ability and he is good in the air. And our colleague, Sean Walsh, went to Brentford, Chelsea last night and he gave Kai Havertz four out of ten. And his description of him was, look silky when dropping deep, 
but didn't provide anywhere anywhere near enough of a threat in the final third. And I think that's Havertz's mm. kind of thing, isn't it? He looks good in certain areas, but when Chelsea get in and around the box, I'm not sure their style of play necessarily marries up with Havertz's skill set. I actually think he's far better as a number 10, even as an eight. Um, I think he played that role quite a lot when he was in Germany and that's where he could flourish. And he's I think he could player. get that, Toby, you know, with Potter, when Potter goes to his system. Where if he gets those, uh, if he gets that system in, if he gets to hold the midfielders in, Havertz could have a chance on Mount. I think, I think there's, I think he likes him as a player. And, you know, I had Havertz down last season as, as my one to watch potential player of the year. And the way they started with Lukaku, it looks so promising, doesn't it? And it's, it's, it's one of those. And, and that's why it's curious that they're looking at Nkunku and Liao. Again, players who we don't actually know their best position. <laughs> um, and Chelsea do like these players. We do know the best positions of Jorginho and Angolo Kante, who are out of contract next summer. It seems like Angolo Kante's best position at the moment is uh, at home or in the stands because he's just injury problems. One of the best players in the world for a number of years, but it, you know, he's out of contract next summer injured really quite frequently at the moment. And you're thinking, looking at him, is this the time for Chelsea to move on from him? They've they, they got two decisions to make on Jorginho and N'Golo Kante. Do you know? Do we know which way they're leaning at the moment, Graham? I think the main problem at the moment is the length of contract. Kante is wanting two plus one. I mean, Jorginho is wanting similar. And that's simply not going to happen. I think it's a nice time for Chelsea. You know, I think it's a good time for Potter to... Um, rejuvenate the squad um, not quite a revolution but you know these two players have Chelsea seen the best of them I think they probably have and you know what just the, the, the wage saving you know we're approaching half a million pound a week just for these two and and if they are in for a Declan Rice etc that, that goes an awful long way to paying for that Toby is this the I'm looking at Angolo Kante and it's been such a romantic story I guess is is come up from France plucked out of you know relative obscurity to title winner with Leicester Champions League winner with Chelsea won the World Cup but you know it just seems like he's starting to break down a little bit yeah I think he's done at the top level at the top level for me uh, he'll be 32 in March I think his surgery is going to rule him out for for four months Chelsea can't afford to give somebody with as many injuries as he's had over the last 12, 18 months a new two-year deal plus one. It doesn't make financial sense. Um, and that's not to take away from how brilliant he's been in England for the past seven years. He was exceptional for Leicester. He was wonderful for Chelsea, particularly in his early years there when they regained the Premier League. But if you can't rely on somebody to put in the work rate and not break down with muscle injuries. And that's the thing that Kante has suffered from over the past year or so. You've got problems and no stability in the spine of the team is the one thing that the manager needs to be able to rely on is that core. And I hate to say it, but they would look at somebody like Declan Rice and they would look at his injury record and they'd think it's basically unblemished. So you can touch wood. Touch wood. <laughs> he, he says a month before the world cup starts. Um, but there's, it's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? If Chelsea have got the finances, they would look at that and think, Rice, always available to play. Kante, missed half the season for injuries and is almost 10 years older. I don't think there's really a decision to make there. Um, I think Kante is going to go. Next summer, I think Chelsea might try and coerce Jorginho to stay. 
um, perhaps on reduced terms for another year or two. But Graham's alluded to in previous podcasts, he has options in Italy. And I think the physicality of the league is getting a bit beyond Jorginho as well. I think he struggles on his own unless he's got somebody like Kante alongside him to double up. Um, it's also not like Chelsea don't have options in midfield at the moment. They've got the likes of Conor Gallagher, Chukwemeka as well, who's uh, been playing a little bit. They signed him in the summer. Uh, Mason Mount's doing well. Kovacic is still there, still there yeah. Uh, and if you add Declan Rice into that or whoever Chelsea end up going for in midfield, that's with just those players alone. That's that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of personnel for a couple of positions. It will anyway. come back to whatever Potter's preferred formation is going to be in the future. He's been playing kind of a fluid. He doesn't. Three, I, three, five, I, three, I don't know if you three, saw five, it last. Night. I don't know if you saw it last night, Toby. We said he doesn't doesn't like to plan formations. In a sense, he was asked by Thomas Frank in a unique manager to manager interview. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? It was a little bit weird. I quite liked it. He says, he says that, but I watched Brighton quite a bit last year, fortunately or unfortunately. And there was a couple of games where he says he doesn't plan. He actually pre-plans his substitutions. I saw two games last year where he, he changed the wing-backs and set halves exactly on six, 62 minutes in every game. So I think once he does get comfortable with the system, he does plan. But I think this is just a sign of... He doesn't quite, obviously, he doesn't know what his best team is. He knows his players coming in. So I think he's just making do till next summer. He's going to give everyone a chance um, to do that. But I, I think he is he is very much a planner. I think he, he, even to the extent of um, the analytics he loves. So if the analytics say make a change at this point, he does do that. So I, th- I think we'll see that three. I think we'll see the, the two, three, one. In midfield with the fullbacks coming involved, but it's, a, it's going to take quite a while to build that. As we've seen with Ten Hag at United, it, it, it's going to take at least a couple of windows for him to get, get the squad he wants. Interesting question. I was just going to, I, I know what Graham will say, um, but uh, Chelsea play Man United on Saturday evening, Toby. Similar trajectories at the moment, similar length of time on their roads to forging an identity. Who do you think's further along? It's difficult to say because I think Chelsea were pretty abject last night by all accounts and their records in the first six games under Potter was what one five drawn one so on paper you would think brilliant start but they've had a couple of really iffy displays where they've displayed absolutely no goal threat whatsoever which is quite reminiscent as Graham's just touched on from his time at Brighton how many games did Brighton not score in under Graham Potter it was a lot particularly at home and United you you can see what they're working towards they've Last night, they were brilliant. I only got to watch the, the second half because I was watching Liverpool-West Ham. But United were full intensity. Fred looked like a completely different... Honestly, player, he, he, he's mad. Honestly. Brilliant. He, he nutmeg Romero and then lost the ball and then tackled him. <laughs> <laughs> but he was outstanding. And just the overall performance, I thought, this is reminding me of the performance they put in against Liverpool, the display they put in against Arsenal. It was way more complete and controlled than those two yeah. performances, though. It was, yeah. uh, it was ten hardball. It was. You still don't know what you're going to get on Saturday, though, because away yeah. from home, United have looked frail still. So I reckon it's very, very similar in terms of the path and the journey that they're on. It will probably be a nil-nil draw, based on everything we've just said there. Or it could be a really open and expansive game, and it could go completely against the grain, but. If I had to put my head above the parapet, I would say United are actually, they're a lot further ahead than I think many people want to give them credit for because they've had a couple of 
really heavy defeats. Everybody wants to say that United have not made the progress they perhaps could have under Ten Hag. They have. They look so much better. And last night, that proved it. Um, and defensively, you are more more solid. Yeah. This... Take, those, take those heavy defeats out of the equation. I think you're a lot better set up than Casemiro is going to provide that shield. He was really good from all accounts last night as well, Scott. He was indeed. Graham, I'll come to you. I think I know what you're going to say. But uh... Uh, well, I, it, it's a tough one because obviously Potter's only been there a month. You know, he, he probably doesn't even know the names of all his staff and players at this point in time. It's such as the extent um, of the job he's got in his hands. Um, it, 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 depend, it depends really on the hierarchy. You know, United, if they're back 10 high, if they're in, in on him, um, it's hard for me to forget about when I've seen United. I saw them in the derby um, put in. That, I think Mustard. that in the in the context of the last seven performances, I think that was the outlier. It really was. Possibly, like, I, I wasn't impressed by you at the weekend either against Newcastle, particularly. Um, I, I think the, as 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 Toby says, so you are, it is it is better. Of course, it is. It is better. It's more solid. Um, Casemiro is is a world class midfielder. He's going to help now. Now he's playing. Um, I think in terms of squad, I think Chelsea's. Squad is 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 way ahead of United personally. Deeper. I mean, it's definitely deeper. Yeah, I, I think the quality is much 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 better. You look at the centre, Kulabali and Fafana going forward next season. That could be the best centre half partnership in Europe. Without and that's not exaggerating. Them two are um, fantastic players. You got Reese James, potential world class. Uh, Mason Mount. I think Chelsea are only two or three players away. I still think United are a good four or five. But I think Ten Hag is positive. Yeah, I think you. I think you're back in Ten Hag, which is I think it's the main thing, Scott. And we'll see. I'm not. I'm not seeing too much in January. But it's next summer, isn't it? That's the key for United. It's what what you do there. The Ronaldo issue will be done by next summer, possibly not in January, but by next summer it will be. Um, and yeah, and we'll and we'll see if they're back in and and what. And I think we'll get a real key as to what next summer what Ten Hags is all about in his system, whether he really is going to adopt that. I think it's going to be um, not not his Ajax system in full floor, but I think it'll be um, with that extra holding man. And we'll, I'm curious to see what he does in midfield. I know Bruno played well last night, but I'm still not convinced by him at all. And uh, we'll see what happens with De Jong, because we still know he likes him. And the striker thing as well. Yeah, I, I, I think Chelsea just have the better squad. I, I think it, it, the parallels there. And, and the fact that you're competing with them for four players, I think it's a huge positive, Scott. I, you, know, it, you can only take positives from the season, really. Um, and you know, you've actually got a manager you can manage, which you haven't had for quite a few years. I think he's dealt with the Ronaldo issue really well, personally. Uh, but yes, I, I said we wouldn't talk about Man United today, but I've shoehorned them in twice now. So let's move back to the running order. Uh, Chelsea and Newcastle, uh, interested in Leandro Trossard. Two former Brighton uh, members of staff and Graham Potter and Dan Ashworth at Chelsea and Newcastle, respectively, and are both looking at the Belgian player who is, he's had a good season so far. He's been a good signing for Brighton. Probably one of the players who, I'd say if he was younger, I'd make it a nigh on certainty that he would end up making a step up, but he's 27, turning 28 soon, so maybe can clubs justify spending the money on him when you look at the likes of Ben White, for example, when he came out of, uh, when he joined Arsenal from Chelsea, you know, early 20s, you can kind of justify that because you can see it moving forward. Trossard's a good player, um, has spoken about his future. Uh, He said, it's very difficult to answer that, the question about his future, that will have to wait. I'm not on it at all right now. Brighton and the World Cup are the next goals. Afterwards, we'll see where it ends. So I think this is a player who is 
probably looking at his future options and that step up. Chelsea and Newcastle in the mix, Graham. Uh, do we know how much this is going to it's going to take to get him out? Brighton have a good record of selling players. How serious is this interest? Yeah, they've got an, he's out of contract in the season, but Brighton have the option on him. The interest is serious, yeah, and he's 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 a useful player. And I think he'd be so useful for both these teams in terms of Chelsea. He would be a squad player, but he can play everywhere. He play left wing back, right wing back, left wing, right wing, number ten, and 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 he can do it at a level that Potter knows. He can do it at a seven, eight out of ten, and and that's why I think sometimes, even though he's twenty eight the maturity that he would bring to that squad as well. Because it's quite a young squad at Chelsea, especially if they get rid of some, old, some of the old-timers and bring in the youngsters. I, I think that can't be overlooked. So I think having that impact um, from him could be, could be quite crucial. You know, I don't think he'd be Chelsea's record signing. He wouldn't be the, the, the marquee one, but a very useful signing really would be. And Newcastle, I think they'd sign for a different reason or they want him for a different reason. They do still lack that um, ability to unlock teams at times. Um, in the final third, you know, it's always got, to, at the moment, Newcastle are relying on the spectacular. We've seen Almiron has hit a rich vein of form and it's his magical moment. We saw Fabian Schaar, 30-yarder against Nottingham Forest early in the season. But sometimes you, you've got to work your way through these players and they're a bit over-reliant on Bruno at times, um, Newcastle. But hey, if you've got such a good player, why not lean on him? But yeah, I could see Wade fitting beautifully in Newcastle in that final third as well. So, um, and, with, and there are teams on the continent as well, the likes of Atletico Madrid, um, I think they're all appreciating what type of player he is. And, and in terms of a fee, Scott, you know, a year left, you know, you're not looking at 50, but I think you're looking 25, I would say, um, from what I'm hearing, 2025 is about right. And, hey, in these times, that's not an awful hey, expensive a good player amount. for that, yeah. regardless of the age, wouldn't he? So see how it goes. You mentioned Bruno Guimaraes there. Uh, and on the, on the topic of Newcastle, ready to talk a new deal with him because... I think he said the other week that he was contacted by Real Madrid in the summer, uh, and it was a it was a it was a coup for Newcastle, I would say, when they managed to get him because there was interest from Arsenal, interest from other clubs as well. But this was one of those statement signings from Newcastle, you know, 22, 23 year old who can really step up a level. I think most people expected him to go to not a bigger club, but you know a club higher up the table at the time that he joined Newcastle. I know they're doing well this season, but do you think he's, is he happy here, Graham? Is this a, a thing that he could maybe stick with? Will he sign a new deal? Is he the type of player to be looking elsewhere? Real Madrid is that club for a lot of South American players. He's, he's extremely settled in the Northeast. He really has. Um, it's ironic that I'm seeing Millsborough with the Brazilians. The Brazilians seem to like him in the Northeast. They do settle quite well. Um, I think they love the fact that it's just a footballing hotbed. They love the passion of the fans, and he and you can see it from his from his game. I know um, you, a few people raised their eyebrows when I said he'd be in the PFA team of the year, but for me, he's currently there's only De Bruyne better in the Premier League than him at the minute. He's magical. He really drives the side when you see him. Last night he was he was just fantastic. Um, and yeah, um, there are clubs looking, you know, Arsenal now beyond, I say beyond them, to get him out of Newcastle now, you're talking three figures, you're talking in excess of 100 million. Um, Real Madrid, when he says taught, I know it was between the agents, Real Madrid letting his agents know the appreciate his progress and like what he's doing. But yeah, I think they will reward him. They don't need to, I think it's 2026 he's currently contracted to, but they are going to reward him in terms of, yeah, 
you are definitely one of the top five central midfielders in the Premier League and we are going to pay you as such, which he does warrant. And, you know, that's a good way of keeping players happy. And Newcastle, that'll be a big deal for them guys because currently their top top earners are around the 120 mark, you know, your Trippiers, your Botmans and, and your Brunos. It's a big decision now to break that ceiling because a lot, a lot of Premier League clubs play pay one twenty and stuff. We we know that, and we're seeing it at West Ham, haven't we, Toby? Where they like to have that ceiling, and and it's that next step to become a top six team. You have to break that financial barrier. And I think Newcastle are now prepared to do that. They realise now they've started the season well. They're in the chat in the chance of top six. I know most of your two surprises. I know after we discussed in the summer, but they are going to do the chance. But no, they are going to break that ceiling. No, I think our issue was top four, Graham, not top six. Uh, You said top four. Did you not? I said top six, didn't I? But we'll go back. I said top United, and I still got confidence they could be the top United if they do what they want in January. I still think they could be. Um, And they give me a good one for my money anyway, aren't they? They haven't let me down yet. Unlike TC's mob. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's one where this will get done, guys, but I think it's towards the end of the season. There's no hurry. He's happy. They'll back. They'll backdate it if they need to. But, yeah, um, rather than leaving, I think we will see Newcastle tie him down. And, and I said this will be a big deal because this will show Newcastle really move into that next level. Uh, just one more thing on Newcastle before we go. Uh, I did notice Anthony Gordon squaring up to Kieran Trippier last night. Found that it was, quite funny. It was interesting. That one really kicked off. It was um, Dan Byrne, who was playing spectacularly well, by the way. He's le- left back. He, he marked him out of the game, I was saying. Um, he went, uh, Gordon went over. One replay actually showed that there might have been a little bit of nicking it. Yeah, Trippier and Gordon it kicked off. But actually, what you didn't see as well, Trippier and Jordan Pickford continued that at half time. They're quite good friends, Scott. But Prime Video picked it up and there were. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of an issue there between the two England players. Uh, Pickford, who didn't... He was OK, but obviously being an excellent man, he was booed to the heavens every time he touched the ball. Mm. Old Anthony Gordon's getting into a few of these scrapes, isn't he? He is indeed. Controversial moments and <laughs> flopping to the floor and complaining about contact. He's a bit of a whiner. I don't I don't know. I wouldn't say that. To him. I thought he was... Give, I, I liked him. He was, as Scott said, he was squaring up. He was giving as good as he got. He was... He, he wasn't him against wine. Kieran Trippier. I know who I'm backing. Christ, it's not Anthony Gordon. Do you know what? He's not as small as you think as well. He did, he, he's taller than him. I wouldn't... Um, yeah, I, I quite... Gordon, you know, he didn't have the best nights last night, but he, he kept at it. He was trying. Um, it, it was a tough night for Everton. It really was. But um, I, and I thought he showed a bit of spirit last night. I quite liked what I saw from him, to be honest. Do, do you think he's good enough to get into England's 55-player squad, Graham? Well, I've been told this, uh, <laughs> this has been exaggerated slightly. I think it's basically what this is is the FA telling certain players um, don't go booking your trips to Ibiza just yet. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be too many surprises, but I think they're just making sure that nobody is caught um, boarding a plane to Spain when they should really be about to um, hook up with England. So I think they're just putting someone on a, on a, on alert that you might be called up. So if, if you're new to this podcast, we have been winding Graham up for a few months now about uh, players that are on the cusp of the England squad and we're telling him, mate, there's only 26 you can fit in this squad. But now it's 55, so Max Kilman gets a chance. Sure, I, I think Max Kilman. I, I think Max Kilman's had a tremendous year. I really do. I think um, I think Joe Gomez stuff is uh, Joe Gomez. You're not mentioning that my, I was a huge fan of Joe Gomez and pushed him. I noticed you're not mentioning um, mocking me That's for him. Wolves are eight, uh, Wolves are 18th, Graham. By the way, uh, Wolves I, I, are 18th. I yeah, but we say how many goals have the squad got? 
I'm also going to chime in here about the Joe Gomez thing. Has he really been that good? He, he gave oh, away a messy I, penalty. I, last I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I necessarily would, but I think Joe Gomez, I think Joe Gomez on the back of what he's done in Southgate, I think he's going. I think Joe Gomez will go. I think Stones will go. I think Gomez will go ahead of Ben White. Well, if he does, that's pretty crazy based on what we've seen last three months and last year. Because Joe, Go- Joe Gomez's improvement is because the bar had dropped pretty low for him. He I'm played quite well at right back last season, yeah, but that's no reason to take him to the World Cup. Yeah. Joe, Joe Gomez played well against Man City the other day when Liverpool played, to their credit, very well against City. Uh, I don't remember too many good performances before that, but may- maybe I'm wrong. I'm a, I'm a Man United fan after all. But I think, I think it's, let's not forget, Gareth Southgate is a hugely loyal um, character. And, you know, um, I think a lot of these selections, a lot of people in the 55, I think we'll see Calvin Phillips in the 55 for certain. I think we'll obviously see Rhys James. And that's it. I was, I was talking on another pod um, just quickly, guys. And I said, if, if England, can, if, if the Chelsea medical staff can guarantee that Rhys James is available for that first game in the knockout stages, would you take him, Toby? Uh, so he misses the whole of the group stages, but he's available for that first knockout game. Possibly. I probably would. Possibly. I would 100%. I think with, with those extra three players as well, Scott, the 26, I think you can. T- I think he'll take a gamble. I think he'll take Phillips, whether he's played or not. And he'll take, I think he might take Reese James. Yeah, Reese James, I think I would. I've actually yeah. got really, I've got full faith in Kieran Trippier to step in on that side. It's just then what do we do on the left-hand side? Luke Shaw is reborn, by the way. Luke Shaw with hair and scrolled down socks is reborn. Has he got rid of that stupid arm thing? Has he got rid of the stupid arm brace that you had? I I haven't noticed. I couldn't tell you. But uh, he's the most up and down fullback. He really is. Yeah. He's blows so hot and cold. I've never known a player like him. But hey, if he's blowing hot heading into a World Cup, then. Scored in the last Euro final, we'll see. But somebody who's uh, let's move on because we're going to do the rest of the show on Napoli players. Uh, Kvitsa, Kvaric, Skelia, Kvaradona. Uh, I forget the other names. We we had this in our Slack channel this morning, Graham. I don't know what. Well, but... I, I read an interview with Georgie Kinkladze and he called him he called him Kvitsa. Okay, um, so I might I might start using that, but yeah, we'll see. I, Is... I guess we'll find out very soon. He's going to be doing a lot of interviews over the next <laughs> year or so, so we'll find they'll probably ask him what he wants to be called. One one of the form players in Europe for one of the form teams in Europe at the moment. He has torn teams apart in the Champions League. He's doing it in Serie A as well. Picked up as a relative bargain by Napoli. Well, not even a relative bargain, an actual bargain by Napoli when they signed him. And one of those players that has been, you know, there's been a bit of fuss around him for a while. I play football manager, you know, obviously you you, you do know these players before they, before they hit the scene. Uh, but he's really taken Serie A by storm at the moment and is really... One of the form players in Europe, as I say, being scouted by Real Madrid, Man City, Paris Saint-Germain, Graham. Mm. But what can we expect here for this uh, new wonder kid? Yeah, I think obviously we talked about Osterman, um previously. Is the one he'll be the one to go next summer? I think we'll see Kavaskiel. From what I'm told, sign a new deal. I think he'll get a new contract, um, similar to what we said about Bruno. We'll get he'll get a new contract, more more fitting of his current um, form. As, yeah, one of the one of the fun players in world football. He really has been brilliant. This whole Napoli team, uh, my own beloved Raspadori, really showing what he's about as well. But yeah, this guy, he's special. 
I've seen him a few times and yeah, it's amazing. They only paid 10 million pounds for him from Dinamo Batumi. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of him either. Because um, uh, they picked him up from Ruben Kazan due to the Russian invasion, you know, this contract suspended. But yeah, I don't think anyone's envisaged what he's done. But yeah, they, from what we understand, PSG, Real, Man City, they've known about this guy, they're scouting him. He's only 21. This is the, for, for long term. I don't, I say I don't envisage anything can happen in football. I don't envisage something in 2023. I see from what I'm told from Nathalie Sources, they won't be letting him go this year. He'll stay at least another year. Um, as he hopes to get Georgia into the Euros, um, yeah. But this guy, this kid, he's special, and these clubs are doing their work on him. And I, I imagine City know quite a bit about him, given his, his hero growing up is Georgie Kinkladze, which isn't a huge surprise, you know, one of Georgia's greatest ever footballers. Um, what, what grew- happens to Phil Foden? Oh, yeah, he goes, in, he goes into midfield, doesn't he? Of course, yeah, yes, he, he drops in there next to um, it's a tough one because obviously my De Bruyne and my new love for Odegaard as well as new De Bruyne, but I, I, uh, Phil Foden's always going to be first name on the team sheet in that team. Um, I haven't put this guy in yet. No, he's got he's got a bit of work to to get ahead of Raspadori. I'd still have Raspadori ahead of him personally in my eleven. <laughs> Thinking well, yeah. Jack Gallagher, who works for 90min.com, is a is a Juventus fan, and he said Kovic has been the best player in Serie A this season by a mile. So I think he's probably going to be there for two seasons max, as Graham yeah. says. Um, they'll probably reward him with a new deal to to buy another year or buy some time and get another year out of him, but. Yeah, it's good recruitment for these teams. You know, if they can make fifty million Austin men, they could make eighty million on on, on Kiver, and then you've got Rasper. It, it, it's how it's how a lot of these teams on the top level can work. If you're making a hundred million every other year, it's how Dortmund operate, isn't it? You know, and they're still up there. It, it, it's all about good recruitment, isn't it? I know. I talk about Klopp and etc. Liverpool football. That's all football is. It's about good recruitment. No matter how much money you spend, whatever level, it's about good recruitment. Two other players from Napoli, Stanislav Lobotka and Kim Min Jae, are um, well. Spurs wanted Kim Min Jae in the summer. Uh, clear this one up for me, Graham, because I'm having a little bit of trouble remembering what happened here. But I believe it was a recommendation from Son to go get him. Yeah, Son. Son, when he was playing a career, wanted Spurs to sign this guy, and then he went to China, and he told him to sign him. Then he went to Fenerbahce. He said, sign him. And all throughout his career, he's been saying, sign him, sign him, sign him. And now he's another player who's turned up at Napoli. He's replaced Koulibaly, and they haven't noticed Koulibaly going. That's how good Kim has been. He's a beast. He's nicknamed the beast. I'm not so sure. But yeah, and now Spurs, from our understanding, is they've admitted to Son, you know, sorry, we should have had this guy a long, long time ago. And they did try and sign him before he went to Fenerbahce. They bid 15 million, I think, um, euros at the time. Um, they didn't, they bid, but they didn't push as high as they could have. Um, but yeah, now this one's come around to bite them a little bit because yeah, he he is one of the best defenders in Serie A at the moment, and again, more wonderful recruitment from Napoli. It really is. And uh, agreeing terms with the Lavocca as well in my notes here. Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, we're all looking. Yeah, it's one that um, story just come on site this morning. We've been informed from sources close to the club. Yeah, they think they've got this done. Sources, uh, terms agreed. And he had some, yeah, had a lot of Premier League clubs looking. Very solid midfielder, um, full of talent. But yeah, and he, but he's committing himself to the uh, Maradona Stadium club. Diego, it's a full name, isn't it? Sorry, it's Diego, Diego Armando Maradona, Maradona Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's committed himself to there for another few years. 
he's committing because Napoli are playing so bloody well this season. They're in with a really good shot of winning Serie A, aren't they? Well, yeah, Osimhen, um, Raspadori, Kiva, Kim at the back. It's it's, it's been fun. considering nearly half a team and new recruits as well. You know, it's it's amazing in terms of recruitment. But um, yeah, brilliant job by them and. Uh, yeah, I, they must be favourites, I imagine, at the minute, Toby, for Syria. I would, I would well, they're envisage. also looking really good in the Champions League and they're scoring goals for fun. I think that's the thing with Napoli right now is that they are, they're looking so dangerous every time they go forward and that's without your boy Raspadori starting every game. Um, yeah, and Osman, Osman, even Osman, they've, they've been able to, Osman's been had a bit of an injury, haven't they? And they've been that good. They can even afford to have him on the bench for these games and bring him on. Um, and yeah, and Spalletti doing, doing great work, isn't he? Um um, I'd be surprised if if and when Juventus get rid of Allegri. I wonder if we see Spalletti's name come up. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, they, they've picked a good year to be in form because Inter are a bit yo-yo. Juve mm. have uh, turned to dust under Allegri, as you just mentioned. But it's it's Napoli and Atalanta who are the top two. That's quite fun. Well, you, you look at the table, though, uh, and think of the Spalletti stories of the past, get into these positions where, Very true. you know, Ooh, it might be on, but they never can carry it through. Well, I know I had this look, conversation last week. Look who's waiting in the wings in fourth place. Jose I was Mourinho's just getting Roma. to that. Jose Mourinho's Roma in fourth place. Sergei Milinkovic Savic's Lazio, one point behind Roma. Uh, how, how, Lazio I, 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 five goals me. this season. It amazes me how Lazio can still be fifth with like, the world's best midfielder. And uh, how can they still be fifth all the time? Surely they've got to win something at some point. Can I just reference one other thing? The top scorers in Serie A this season. Chiro Mobile, who's now out for three months. Dusan Vlahovic. And Manchester United target Marco Arnautovic. Scott Saunders, how are you feeling about missing out on a prolific well, goal scorer? I saw that. Yeah, he, good, <laughs> he did very well last season as well, if I remember rightly. Uh, you know, it's uh, a t- ties in as well, guys. So with Tammy Abraham, really struggling for form, isn't he? And I saw... Um, it was interesting last night, Calvert-Lewin coming back from injury and Callum Wilson. And there's a, I think that's the, that's the one thing in England squad. Um, you know, Abraham, Tony, Wilson, and now Calvert-Lewin. I think that's the, I think that's the one bit of the squad where Southgate hasn't made a decision yet. Well, 55 players, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're all, yeah, they're all going in the 55 players. Yeah. It's got to be Ivan Tony, hasn't it, right now? Surely. I think he might. I think... I say more than more than any of these other ones. Callum Wilson's looking very sharp at the minute. He really is. And it is a player Southgate likes. Um it depends how many strikers he takes, doesn't it? With this extra man 26, it depends how many injury play players he takes and how many strikers he takes. We are one month away from the World Cup beginning, and we are one month and one day away from England's first game and Wales's first game in the tournament as well. Uh, plenty of World Cup talk to come. I don't know what will happen with talking transfers during the World Cup, but we'll have to, uh, <laughs> we'll have, to have this see what discussion. We'll see your Wi-Fi. In your, I imagine it would be quite nice in your five-star hotel. It's got the Wi-Fi. So I, wouldn't, right. I wouldn't say it's a five-star hotel. <laughs> I believe it's a three, three or four. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm envisaging good Wi-Fi, Scott. I am envisaging good Wi-Fi. There is good Wi-Fi, good transportation. We, we'll see how it goes. Uh Plenty of planning to do before then. And the time gap's not too bad, is it? What, two or three hours? Three, I think two? it's three hours. Yeah, three so hours. it's not, not too bad. But there are matches which, which will kick off at 10 local time, I believe, which is uh, quite late. Let's just say that. Uh, anyway, that is us done on Talking Transfers today. Unfortunately, no irons in the fire section, uh, although we did do a bit of West Ham earlier in the show. Yeah, no, me and Graham have got a piece that we're working on 
Um, yeah, there's definitely going to be some irons there is, in the there fire. There is things week. to come. There are irons in the fire, so to speak. But yeah. We will reveal all next time. Thank you very much. Graham Bailey and Toby Cudworth at underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey at Toby underscore Cudworth as well on Twitter. Please follow us, get in touch. Uh, read 90min.com for all of the stories that you've heard about on the show today and keep in touch for any exclusive stories that are coming out over the next few days until we meet again on Talking Transfers. You can subscribe on all your major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And we'll be back next week to chat more about the moves that could happen in 2023. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon.